Welcome, Blood Brothers and Sanguine Sisters, to you deeply discussing Dexter. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm joined by Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Brooke Merritt. Hello. And Zach Rowland. Hey. And today we're discussing Season 8, Episode 2, Every Silver Lining. On this episode, Miami Metro and the team-up of Dexter and Vogel have a race to see who can find the man suspected of being the brain surgeon. El Sapo gets gunned down because nobody puts Deb in a storage unit. Angel is surprisingly cool about Quinn dating Jamie, but only if Quinn tries to get promoted. And Dr. Vogel gets a DVD starring Lyle Sussman as the Patsy. What did you guys think of this episode overall? I thought this was a better episode than the last one. Uh, it starts to dive into why Vogel's actually there. And you just get another great performance from Jennifer Carpenter. I was so bored. I put it this way. I usually take a lot of notes. I have three notes and they're all contenders for worst line. That's all I have. I just, I was, <laughs> I just was, I think Vogel is a really boring character. Mm. Yeah. I wasn't uh, as engaged in this episode as I was the first episode of the season. I think this was just a lot of exposition, um, just trying to move storylines forward, which, you know, it's a second episode. What are you going to do? But it didn't necessarily bring me any joy. Yeah. It reminds um, I, me so much of like the bad movies that are on late night basic cable. This, this whole plot point is like the bad, low budget suspense movies that you see at 3 a.m., on like Showtime or something. Well, Showtime, good example, because yeah. it's on Showtime. But yeah, Red Show, yeah. Red Show Diaries. What, uh, like, j- just the suspense of the episode in general, like the plot of the episode, feels like a cheap movie. Yeah, just the exposition of Vogel and you know, oh, I was behind you developing the code, and just it just seems like I don't know. And the performances aren't good. I just I don't like this one. Yeah, I think watching uh, watching it in hindsight, you know, watching it for for watching it on a, on a multiple viewing, on a second or third viewing or whatever, um, that Vo- with without the mystery of how much Vogel knows and why she knows it, there's it, her scenes are insufferable because you know exactly where it's going. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would say that it would be, you know, like from Zach's perspective, seeing this for the first time. And when I watched it for the first time, it was interesting learning. Um, even if you don't like the fact that she's, you know, whether you want to call this like a retcon of the code or not. Um, just It's interesting that there's a person that knows so, so much about who Dexter is and how he was put together potentially more than Dexter even knows how he was put together. Um, I think those things are really interesting the first time you see it. And then once you know all of that backstory, you know, sitting through an episode where it's mostly them explaining that backstory is pretty, pretty tedious. So, uh, but I still think the, the first few episodes of season eight are, are the high point. Um, I still think we're in, we're in the, in the average to good territory right now. So, um, but we open with VHS footage of Harry in uniform being interviewed by Dr. Vogel. 
Young Dexter asked Harry to let him onto the scene of a homicide. Dexter was fascinated by the blood scene. Harry reveals that Dexter stole a bloody piece of glass from the crime scene. Harry starts to cry. He says, I'm right about Dex, aren't I? Vogel tells him that there is a place in the world for Dexter and she is going to help Harry. Vogel is not in these uh, VHS recordings because they didn't want to go through the trouble of trying to figure out how to de-age her for those. So they just like shot it on VHS and (laughs) gave Harry a little bit darker hair and it was, it was enough to make him look younger and that, but they weren't going to make it work for her. So Uh, Vogel tells Dexter that she helped create him. She convinced Harry to focus Dexter's urges to kill on people who deserve to die. Harry developed the code under her guidance. Vogel says that her care for him has kept her from ever turning him in. She reveals that the missing piece of brain was anonymously left on her doorstep. She thinks it's a message from a former patient and and a clear threat. Uh, She wants Dexter to find him and kill him. She can't go to the police. She's treated other psychopaths in less than legal ways, and she can't have her secrets come out. She gives Dexter a DVD with more footage to convince him to help her. Dexter watches this DVD in his apartment. Harry talks about how Dexter showed a drug dealer that he killed photographs of the drug dealer's victims. Ghost Harry coaches Dexter to try and get Vogel's help with reconnecting with Deb. Deb tries to convince Elway that she was working Briggs as part of her job. Elway says that undercover work isn't part of her job. Deb tells him about the keys that she found on Briggs. I mean, just to throw some interruption and you can see like, it's so much exposition. We have nothing to say. I know. I'm trying to think of something to say and there's uh, nothing. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Uh, Yeah, here we are. Uh, Yeah. And I, Uh, I also, as I was taking notes, I like, I paused and went back a couple of times and I removed about half of the notes I took on just what we've talked about so far. Like, yeah, because you yeah, have to. It's so much. There's so to talk much about. going. Yeah. You know, like you it's were all saying, explanation. Yeah. Like you were saying at the beginning, it it is really hard to take what's happening right now without also taking into account where it's leading. And so there, there's so much that I want to say, but it's spoiler territory. And I yeah. just I'm like, ugh. I'll say, I'll say some things for you then. So <laughs> what I'm feeling is that this, uh, this Loomis character, what's her name? The Vogel. doctor? Uh, Vogel. Dr. Thank Vogel. you. Um, we'll just call her yeah. Loomis. Loomis. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Is, uh, I, I, and the, uh, don't don't give it away here, guys. But I think she's the killer. Uh, I think that hmm. I think that she's setting all of this up, like the brain piece and like all the things. And like th- at, at this point in this episode is when I started to think about it like this. I didn't think about it in the first episode at, that way at all. But in this episode, I was like, hmm, okay, we've got this new character. She's uh, attached to Dexter in some capacity. She made him per se. So she's Frankenstein, right? In a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's the monster. And it's like, but who's the true monster here? It's and Maybe it's really her. And now she's looking for ways to like try to 
I don't know, bring him into the fold. There's this whole control aspect that I've really zeroed in on and how he's lost it, but she has it. Yeah. I, there's a lot going on here uh, without, you know, sort of not knowing. I have no idea where this is going, but that's where my mind is at in this episode. Yeah. And I mean, t- to talk about like how they could have done this different to make it more interesting um, than to just have the cliffhanger from last episode leading into like this 15 minutes at the top of this episode. That's just all exposition. It's all history of Harry and Vogel making the code. Um, It could have been interesting for um, Vogel to be more of a threatening Lundy type of character for a while and not give away that she did this and have Dexter be the one to discover it and confront her about it and get the information out of her that way. Um, so that she's looking for the brain surgeon, but she's also like really picking up on the clues that Dexter is a psychopath. As far as we know, the, as the audience. And then we find out that she, she knows Dexter's a psychopath because she has worked with him since he was a kid, but instead they, they do that in, you know, uh, 20 minutes of screen time spread over the end of last episode and the beginning of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted that. I'm your father moment. And yeah. And I thought that was so cheap in the first episode and, and it completely retconned everything that we knew up to this point about the creation of the code and the creation of Dexter himself. And, I think that's really why I hated the first episode so much and thought this one was a better episode because the first episode kind of introduces us to a new normal for the show. And this, this gives us a first taste of what that's actually going to be like. Yeah. Well, I mean, she literally says something like I'm a sort of spiritual mother to you. It's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Which also makes me think that, that she one. fucked Harry. Like she's uh, you know, we know Harry definitely had multiple affairs with multiple women and I feel like this is just another one and then her saying shit like that even I get the spirituality of it all but still it's like no, they probably had a tiff as well at some point and she views him as yeah, it's just it, yeah, it's too much. I don't know. I like your idea, Dale, but you're 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 better than Scott Buck. So, <laughs> well, that's not I mean, much of a compliment because anybody's better than Scott Buck. I I think it's an interesting idea. I don't know. Like a lot of the the quote unquote rewrites I try to do on the show, um, they're interesting ideas. I don't know if they would really work out narratively. Um, there is a whole lot of other stuff that they have to get to in season eight, so there might not have been a way to to keep all of those balls in the air at the same time. But uh, yeah. <clears throat> Dexter goes to a new murder site, another brain surgeon kill. Dexter finds the murder weapon, a plastic bag with rope ties. Vogel arrives and tells Dexter that she got another brain chunk delivery. Harry trusted Vogel because she didn't judge psychopaths in black and white, unlike her colleagues at the time. Deb and Elway go to Briggs's apartment to look for leads on where the jewels are. Deb finds a bill from a storage facility. As they drive off separately, we see that El Sapo is still tailing Deb. Vogel is surprised to learn that Dexter would have liked to have someone to talk to about his secret after Harry died, 
Psychopaths don't usually seek out emotional connections. Dexter locates the murderer's identity to a Lyle Sussman, and this is a guy that we saw kill the second brain surgeon victim uh, earlier in the episode. Masuka found a partial print of the victim's duct tape on the victim's duct tape mouth. Dexter will have to hurry to take out Sussman before Miami Metro IDs and finds him. I, th- I thought it was weird that we saw the killer. Like we've done it. They've showed us before the killer early on in this, in the season, but it just seemed weird at this point. I was like, why, why are they showing us the guy? We have no context yet for any of this other than this is the next victim. And then now this is the killer. I mean, we, I think we get it later clearly, but like it felt jarring. I don't know. It, yeah. It just feels like this episode is like assembled. Very weird. Yeah, it is. It is. That's why I found it just so boring and hard to even focus on because just nothing joins together and it's just a whole lot of a whole lot of nothing. It's it's there are plot lines that are rushing and there are plot lines that mm-hmm. are stagnant. Yeah. And that's I think that's where the disconnect comes from. It feels like a whole lot of stop and, and run and stop and run. Yeah, like it's hard for me to even make jokes about this episode because I'm just kind of like, why? <laughs> yeah, blah. <laughs> uh, Dexter checks out Sussman's apartment and finds a picture of a hunting cabin. He rushes out just as the police cars are arriving. Deb finds the storage unit and the bag of jewels. El Sapo grabs the bag from her. He beats her up when she won't stay down and locks her in the storage unit. Batista breaks Quinn's balls about not taking the sergeant's exam. Quinn needs to focus on his career if he's going to date Jamie. Batista figured it out because he's a good detective. (laughs) And that was the funniest line of the entire season. They interview Sussman's mom. She shows them a wretched quilt made of small animal hides. She tells them he has a cabin, but she does not know where it is. I can't remember... I think it was Quinn that was like, that's like hell and fur or something like that. <laughs> we please get yeah. out of here. Angel Quinn and Deb get called to a murder scene. The body is El Sapo's. Multiple shots fired at the front of the vehicle. Detective Black Lady identifies him, alerting Dexter to his connection to Briggs and Deb. Dexter gives a breakdown of how the shooting may have gone down. Quinn takes Dexter aside and asks about Deb. He knows about the El Sapo connection, too, and is worried about her. Dexter f- I also want to no- note that he takes a, a piece of bloody glass from this crime scene, which is also a reference to something that Harry references at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, it well, it, it also comes back later. Um, because, right, right. Yeah, he thinks it's yeah. the killers. I thought that... Right, I thought that the implication with Harry saying that was that he, and when they see the, we see the piece of glass that this is like, this is where the blood slides come from. Yes, that is what they're I saying. Which I think is, yeah, which is definitely that. But then we see Dexter actually do it in this episode in the present time. So it's almost, I guess, you know, essentially it's it's telling you two things about him, but it's two things that kind of we already know. I don't know. It, yeah, they're harking on this origin story a lot in this episode. And I'm sure, I'm like, but you're upending all the origin story that you've already created. So yeah, you're retconning so much of your own or other people's creation, Scott Buck. Fuck you. Um, stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, it's the last season, you know. There might be people that are just joining for the first time, so we got to explain what Dexter is. 
that's so fucking stupid. I hate that guy. <laughs> uh, Dexter finds Deb passed out on her couch with a bunch of beer bottles. Deb claims not to know anything about El Sapo's death. When she sits up, Dexter sees the massive bruising from where El Sapo kicks her. Deb convinces him to leave. Dexter goes back to hunting Sussman for Vogel. He finds Sussman dead, hanging from a meat hook behind his cabin. Vogel tells Dexter that psychopaths are mankind's alpha wolves and necessary to the survival of the species. Top CEOs and other successful people have psychopathic traits. Vogel asks about Deb, but Dexter tells her that they're not going to talk about her. And then this is that moment where I'm like, okay, so now we saw the guy who was the supposed killer uh, who's now dead, and he was hung up on these hooks. So the person that had killed him had to have had some brute strength, uh, a beast, if you will. And um, <laughs> no, that's and, that was uh, I, that's season six with uh, <laughs> with uh, Colin Hanks, where the I'd beast is. Let's know about yeah. back to that. Right, right. But I did. I was like, okay. So then, continuing on with my theory that it's Vogel being like, okay, clearly um, she can't lift this guy up on these hooks, but she could essentially have someone do it for her because she has this manipulation power. And that in itself is, you know, like a, can be a serial killer trait in a way where you're manipulating, especially when we know psychologists uh, in this show, referring back to season one, have the ability to have to, to um, influence people to do things for them or, or to themselves, you know? Well, it could just be simple trading of favors with Matthews, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's very true. Yeah, that that was not a serious, a serious <laughs> remark at all. I was talking about Matthew's getting hand jabs from her earlier. So exactly, the free hill. <laughs> you need to come and lift this body onto a hook for me. Uh, is there a hand job in it? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. All right, I'll be on my Absolutely. way. Absolutely. <laughs> and a bottle of scotch. <laughs> Uh, Jamie is jealous of Quinn's fascination with Deb. Quinn makes, makes a you people remark about Cubans suddenly being on his ass. Jamie didn't get dressed up to argue with Quinn. Jamie yells at Batista for pressuring Quinn and causing the fight. Hooray, Jamie and Quinn. Uh, Dexter IDs the blood on El Sapo's driver's window as Deb's. Just then Deb walks into Miami Metro Matthew tells her that he didn't get a chance to tell her how disappointed he was that she left the force. Um, which is one of the funniest things I think that's ever happened on this show. It's like, Oh, you're back. I didn't get a chance to tell you how disappointed I was that you left the force. Yeah. No, no phone call, no <laughs> text message. You know, he's just like, well, she's gone. <laughs> oh, you're back. Oh, great. Well, I was on my boat. I mean, to tell you, I mean, to tell you how much you suck. Um, she goes into an interview room to talk to Quinn. Dexter watches through the mirror. Quinn asks her about the situation around Briggs's murder. He shows Deb photos of El Sapo's murder scene. Deb has flashbacks of herself shooting El Sapo. Dexter comes in and takes Deb to the infinite alleyway of secrets. He tells her he knows that she killed El Sapo. She said she was angry, beat up and wanted the jewels back. Perfectly good explanation. Um, Dexter points out the gun that they found in El Sapo's glove box, and Deb says that it might be hers. El Sapo took hers off of her before he beat her up. 
She asks Dexter to switch it out for her in evidence. Uh, the the hallway of the alleyway of secrets. I I immediately when they popped up that scene popped up. I was like, fuck this alleyway. <laughs> we like, haven't seen it in a while. It has been uh, a while. Glad it's back. Uh, are we though? Are we? I think really it was a season five. Thing. Grasping onto anything, Zach. It's, anything. It's the room of requirements, man. It only shows up when you need it. True. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, Dex- I thought it was interesting that uh, she asked Dexter to swap it out for him because that's like a quid pro quo, right? Where like he's asked of so much of her uh, in terms of like the things that she, that she's done with LaGuarta and I mean everything really, and then she's like, "Well, now it's your turn, asshole. You help me out because I've done so much for you. Switch that gun, you know." Well, I and mean, it's like, she, oh. she says that, doesn't she? She says something to the effect of like, "Oh, you want to play the?" Yeah, because he, the- he says. He says, what if I weren't here to switch the evidence for you? And she's like, you really want mm-hmm. to go down that road? Mm-hmm. Like, like I can't do terrible things to your life by revealing yeah. things? I, she's got the upper hand now. I'm All in all, like, if you look at it, this has got to be the season where Deb truly, truly has the upper hand on her, on Dexter in all, all capacity. Yeah, you know? and it's but doing great things for her. Yeah, Ooh, she's so <laughs> damaged by it that it doesn't really pay off. Here's the thing that I don't understand. What gun did she use to kill El Sapo? Her gun That's was a good point. Her gun was taken away in the glove box. I, I thought about that too, and the only thing I could think of was the fact that there might have been a gun in that uh, storage unit that was the guys. She came up with but, two guns, guys. I, she came up with two because well, it's Miami. There's a lot of guns. Well. <laughs> She she planted a gun inside the car that was supposed to be the one he was reaching for to shoot back, not knowing that he'd put mm. hers in the glove box, and so she didn't get that one out. And then mm. there was a separate gun that she used to kill him. I mean, unless she's really, really stupid, and she shot him with the gun and then left it on the floor panel and pretended that it was the gun he was reaching for. But... I think I think there were Dumber. two guns involved, so I don't know how much of a time skip there was between their fight and him getting shot, but it must there must have been at least enough time for her to like waddle off somewhere and pick up a couple of guns. Well, th- that's the thing too, because I mean, you said it, and I pretty much assumed it, but he locked her in there. How the fuck did she get out? <laughs> Where did she get a gun? Yeah. There are so many plot holes, and it's not that I need to see it. It's just that you need to leave a little something for us to believe that this is a possibility. There was no possibility if you lock someone in there. It would have taken days for someone to get her out. <laughs> like They would have had to have showed up to get their shit out of their locker, heard her pounding on the door, went and got management. The management would have had to confirm that there was someone trapped in there. I mean, there's so much time. Well, there's, like, there's another guy just like the Tooth Fairy that hangs out in a storage locker, and it just happened to be next door. And he's like, hey, hey, you in there. I've got a bolt cutter. If you buy these two guns off me, I will let you out. See, it all makes sense. There's no plot holes there, Zach. You brought back the fucking Tooth Fairy. <laughs> That old curmudgeonly asshole that he waddled around town. Uh, uh, so good. I goggled him back up. Oh, man. <laughs> goggled. Uh, Dexter goes into evidence. He swaps the gun with another in his pants. 
Deb lingers outside the retirement bar and grill. <laughs> Batista, <laughs> do I need to stop for uh, for that? Um, every word I said was that. true. Um, <laughs> Deb lingers outside the retirement bar and grill. Batista and Quinn make up, and Quinn says he'll start studying for the sergeant exam. Quinn notices. I'm sorry, I thought you. I I thought you just said Bequista. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's not wrong. <laughs> Coming back. Definitely goes outside the retirement bar and grill. <laughs> Batista qu- and Quinn make up, and Quinn says he'll start studying for the sergeant exam. Quinn notices <laughs> Deb in her car, and they make eye contact. She drives off. Vogel uh. calls Dexter. She thinks someone is in her house. Dexter rushes over. He checks the house and finds no one, but there's a DVD on Vogel's computer that she doesn't recognize. The video shows someone operating a camera that coerces Sussman to kill the second victim before the camera operator killed Sussman. Dexter reveals that he has destroyed Deb and Vogel hugs him and tells him that he's perfect. Yeah. So that's all, the all the things, all the things that really keep pointing me in the direction of the fact that it's her manipulating and pulling the strings of all of this. Yep. Hmm. There's your evidence. I will not confirm or deny your theory. <laughs> no one is saying a thing. Uh, I'll just join. I'll just go jump on the Reddit, see what the fans are saying. You better not. <laughs> I swear to God. We have been through too much for this. <laughs> if Zach comes on and he knows how this ends, can we stop? <laughs> Do well, we not have to watch the rest of the season? It's like. What, it's 10 episodes sad, from the end? Yeah. We're going to stop? Yeah. I think I do know the last shot of the series, but I don't think that that constitutes, like, knowing everything that happens, right? Like, just because you know the... And I could be wrong, but I think I accidentally read it in an article uh. or whatever. Um, but still, I don't know where that how we get there. Because that's so, something I really wanted to know before we finish up. I wanted to ask Zach, how do you think it's going to end, and how do you think it should end? As the the lone, you know, non viewer. Yeah. But if you read it, never mind. Well, well I no, think, I mean, like, I think we have to get to like episode ten or eleven before we have that conversation, sure. and then yeah, um, and then Zach can let's do it. Zach can make his theory, uh, and you know. We'll, we'll just not tell him if he's right or not. Right. Yeah, true. let's do that. Because I, even though I think I know what the last like shot of it, of the sh- of the show is, I don't think that that tells me the whole story. So I could make some pretty fun predictions. Yeah. About that time. So let's do it. Good. That's. I'm just. That's, that's good. Somebody. That's somebody something I'm very curious that. about. Yeah. I, I, I'll remember yeah. because that's really something I. Because I know what I envisioned and what actually mm-hmm. happened. So it'd be cur- I'm curious to hear. Somebody who hasn't seen it. Yeah. Whatever you're thinking, think something more disappointing. Um, right. Ah, damn. Yeah, whatever you're hoping for, it's not that. <laughs> what, whatever you're hoping for, it isn't that. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> if 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 you're if you're basing it on on your knowledge of the show, then it might be right. If you're basing it on how you would end the show, it's definitely not right. Uh, this episode was directed by Michael C. Hall it's the only episode of Dexter he directed and his only directing credit on IMDb what that's uh, why did he do that would you direct again if you made an episode this terrible that's what I'm saying it's like 
this far into the process and you're like hey guys today i think i might want to try directing and everybody's like well he could kill us if he doesn't so i don't so. think he's a particularly bad director well no and it's a good it's a good no, first time directing true. because there's not really a lot to to direct because it's just a lot of sitting it's and talking it's him like, like the creative failed him here yeah yeah right. that's a good point right. it's less of the director and more of the creative if they did, I mean, if this was an episode where this would be very unlike this show, but there are other shows where they take the lead kind of out of the story for mm-hmm. for one episode and they follow a, a secondary character. So, like, if this had been an episode from Deb's perspective, just as a change up, that would have been a better thing for him to direct. But this one, like, him directing him and Vogel having... 15 minutes of exposition at the beginning. Like that's not a very, that, that that's not a very uh, challenging or interesting directing job. Yeah, for sure. There's something, um, I don't, I don't know how many of you uh, followed through with Gotham, but um, the last season of <laughs> that, Gotham, that'd be none of us. Zero. Yeah, exactly. Zero. Of the us. last season of Gotham is primarily written and directed by the main cast. And I thought that was a very interesting Jesus. choice. For the show, like Ben McKenzie directs most of the episodes and even like other members of the cast write up, write the episodes and direct the episodes. I would think it have to be an improvement just based on what I've seen of Gotham. Bill loves Gotham. We've had this conversation at length. Clearly, clearly. (laughs) I mean, from where it started to where it finishes, it's not nowhere near the same, but it doesn't necessarily change in in tone at all it's yeah i watched the first season and i was like fuck this yeah i couldn't get through (laughs) it either i don't think i made it through half of the first season like the only thing the only thing that was like remotely interesting to me was the penguin and i couldn't see how they were gonna make that grow into something that made the show as a whole work for me um, and since the show isn't the Penguin, it's Gotham. I, I, I wasn't having it. Uh, this was written by Manny Cotto, who came on with Chip Johansson for season five, but unlike him, stayed till the bitter end and is the co-writer of the season finale with Scott Buck. His previous episode was the penultimate season seven episode. Do you see what I see? Which he co-wrote with Wendy West. What was the best line of the episode? I liked the back and forth between Deb and Dexter about uh, playing the what if game. I went with um, De- Dexter's line, Miami makes more corpses than sunburns, and I'm grateful for it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That was one of my worst. I had no best. I just had four <laughs> worst, and that was one of them. I started with okay, three, but as a- we've been developing, I added another. Uh, consider me nice. your spiritual mother. The Miami makes corpses line. Uh, Masuka, if I could cop a feel right now, it wouldn't be sexual harassment to Deb. Nice. And then Vogel saying, you're perfect at the end. Yeah, I figured you'd pick that one too. Yeah, there's a lot of bad. Um, I went with the Masuka line, the cop a feel. The, the bad line for me was when Vogel gives him a hug and says, you are exactly what you need to be. You are perfect. It's just, ugh. Ugh. They couldn't even give Masuka the uh, the infamous George H.W. Bush sexual harassment joke. 
the do you know who my favorite magician is? It's David Copperfield. Oh. He said that's like a journalist or something. Seems and right. got in trouble for it. Well, yeah, he's got he got in trouble for a lot of groping thing. I mean he obviously we get in trouble, <laughs> but he was definitely called out for it. Like he groped a woman when he was like eighty five or whatever. Yeah, and this, they were like, this was like that. fairly recent like shortly before his death that this this joke thing happened and Yeah. Like he's in a wheelchair. Like he's not a threat to you. <laughs> just just smile at the old man who used to be president and move on. <laughs> um well, how about the performance of the episode? Nobody. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really have yeah. one. I mean, like, when in doubt, you just go default is always Jennifer Carpenter, but really yeah. there's nobody to nobody did anything. Yeah. Uh, Which I'm surprised in the last couple of seasons we also haven't like put her in the Dexter zone where we're like, we can't pick her either because her performances in the last few seasons have been astounding. And, and so like, she's just right up there with Michael C. Hall in terms of like, yeah, I'd pick her almost every time. So it's, t- it's tough. If we ban um, her at this point, we won't have anybody. Yeah. Cause right? there's really not much. Yeah. I don't know. The mom with the skins, maybe. <laughs> we should just start the mom. skin quilt. We should yeah. just start giving it to extras. <laughs> yeah. Every time he goes hunting, he brings home something new for the quilt. Well, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for participating. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you on the next Deeply Discussing Dexter. <laughs>